0: A bit of cool music to get us rocking ahead of the Matildas World Cup semi-final against England tonight. We're coming to you live from the Toolkit Depot studio. Don't forget to shop winter at TKD. And now, thanks to Advanced Hair, Australia's largest and most renowned hair restoration clinic, we're joined on the show by the West Australians, Ben Smith. He's in Sydney for the World Cup semi-tonight. Ben, welcome. Welcome.
1: G'day Duff, how you doing
0: mate? I'm very well, thank you mate So, I believe you flew into Sydney last night?
1: Yeah, yesterday afternoon And, um, yeah Managed to get down to the, uh the, To the, uh, the FIFA fan zone At, uh, Tumbalong Park in the city Absolutely beautiful sight And, uh, yeah Sampled the, uh, the sights and sounds Of Sweden versus Spain In the, uh, in the first semi-final And, uh, yeah Really all kicked, kicked off in the final ten minutes And, uh yeah, it was a, you know a pretty thrilling end and uh, you know a good look at uh, you know Spain, who hopefully Australia will be playing
0: on Sunday. What was what's the atmosphere like in the city, Ben?
1: It's pretty good. There's a vibe uh, and a real buzz around it. Um, you know the the fan zone is like a lot of people there. Um, you know they're probably you know, Spain and Sweden. You know given that they've played all their games in New Zealand or most of their games in New Zealand. It probably wasn't too many, you know, Spaniards or Swedes roaming around the fan zone last night. But it was, you know, there was a pretty decent turnout. Uh, You know, probably a couple of thousand people there. Just kind of, uh, you know, it wasn't the most gripping of atmospheres. And it probably wasn't the most gripping of games up until the final 10 minutes. But... Yeah, it was you know it was it was a good vibe, and I think uh, you know everyone was just enjoying being out in the city on a you know quite a nice night, and being able to take in some uh, live sport on the big screen.
0: So I guess the big question is, are we ready?
1: I don't think any of us are ready. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I think I think the team are as ready as they'll ever be. I think if they're not. If they weren't ready, they wouldn't be in the semi-finals. I think they've had big games in the round of 16, in the group stage against Canada, and then obviously the quarterfinal against France on Saturday. So, I think you know you can. When it comes to being ready, there's a limit on how ready I think you can be, and I think Matildas are at that limit,
0: really. So, tell us a bit about England because they play a slightly different formation to most of the other teams we've come across so far, don't they?
1: Yeah, England. Um, you know, they have kind of. They've chopped and changed a bit throughout the tournament, uh, especially in terms of uh, you know, formation. They actually, you know, midway through the tournament, they shifted to a 3-5-2. You know, so they're playing three centre-backs, uh, you know, 3 central centre-midfielders, two wing-backs and uh, two strikers. You know, most teams, you know, for a long time played four-back. Over the last few years, we've seen a bit more of a shift internationally and, you know, at some of the biggest club teams in the world, to three at the back. And, you know, England started this tournament at the four at the back, left on to a three at the back because they feel like it suits them well. Uh, and it's going to be really interesting uh, from a tactical perspective how that matches up with that Australian four-four-two that they've been playing.
0: So what, to the layman, what can you predict about what that will mean for how the Matildas will have to play to get through?
1: Well, I think the Matildas are going to be—you know—they are going to play as they have for most of the tournament. They're going to look to hit England on the counter attack because Australia are most comfortable on the ball. Uh, You know, they're most comfortable in games when they're—you know—when they let their opponents have the ball. Uh, The Matildas' greatest strength is being able to hit teams uh, on the counter, and so you know, if England have a lot of possession tonight, that won't phase the Matildas. They—you know—there is a. To an extent, they want England to have more of a ball because, you know, the more they get comfortable in possession, I guess, and the more that they are being lured further forward, then it does open holes up, you know, in behind for the likes of Caitlin Ford and Hayley Razzo to strike on the counter. I mean, Caitlin Ford's been, you know, she's been one of the best players of the the tournament for me. And, um, you know, she is so devastating in counter-attacking situations, as we saw uh, against, you know, Canada and, you know, against Denmark.
0: So, obviously, the $64 million question here is how will Tony Gustafson use Sam Kerr? Do you see it as off the bench like she was in the quarterfinal, or does she start the game?
1: Uh, To be honest, I'm not sure, but I think my gut instinct says that she will start on the bench again. Uh, You know, before the last game, uh, Tony Gustafson said, you know, like he wouldn't start Sam Kerr unless he was sure she could get through, you know, like a full game, and Again, you know, she's, what, three weeks re- removed from a calf injury. I'm not quite sure she's going to be fully fit to potentially run out, uh, you know, 120 minutes because you want your best players on the pitch at the end of a game. And, you know, if, if you start Sam Kerr and the game goes to extra time, then you run the risk of having to sub her off if she's not, you know, fit enough to run out two hours. And, you know, obviously, you know, just a few days ago, she was in a pretty physically exhausting long game against France. She got through it okay, but, you know... Given there's a you know it's a pretty quick turnaround between that marathon of a game uh, that we witnessed on Saturday, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he takes the you know the cautious approach.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree, and I think the other thing that it gives him it gives him a superstar against players that are going to be more tired than she is, um, and and I suspect that Sam's ability to do something with a half chance under those circumstances is going to be if anything, enhanced. I guess the, the flip side of the argument is um, what happens if our best chance happens before she's on the pitch. Um, and we saw the other night there was a number of half chances we got in the early going against uh, France that we weren't quite able um, to grasp. Um, tell us who our other key players are in this game, Ben. Well, for
1: me, I think the biggest matchup I mentioned Caitlin uh, Ford earlier, her battle with Lucy Bronze, down the Australia's left and England's right, is going to be huge. Um, Bronze is, uh, you know, she plays for Barcelona. She's been one of England's best players for, you know, maybe five, ten years. She, I remember watching her at the, uh, I think it was for 2015 Women's World Cup, and being really impressed with her. She's a, yes, yeah, um, she gives the uh the England uh, team a lot of kind of attacking impetus from her right wing back spot so you know she's you know defensively she'll sit deep when uh, when Australia have the ball but she'll p- push up a bit more when they do have the ball and you know we've seen how good Kayla Ford can be in counter-attacking situations she's now coming up against you know probably the best right-sided defender in the world in Lucy Bronze so that matchup for me is critical if you know if if they can get in behind bronze and, and in behind Rachel Daly, who is going to be the left wing back most likely for England, that's where I think England can win the game. Because when you do play with three at the back, it does leave <laughs> a bit more space outside uh, in defence for counter-attacks. So that's key. I think England's midfield pairing of Georgia Stanley and Kira Walsh, um, no, Kira Walsh especially, I think Stanley is fantastic as well, but Walsh especially, um, she's the... She's the, the, the straw which stirs the England drink. She, everything starts with Kira Walsh in midfield for England. And I think, you know, against uh, when women and was in England met early this year, you could see that uh, Kerr and Mary Fowler were really kind of dropping deep when they didn't have ball to prevent Walsh from getting on it. So I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a similar approach with, you know, whoever's leading the line for Matildas, most likely to be Mary Fowler and Emily Van Egmont. If they're sitting... I would expect him to sit deep and try and, you know, cut off that ball through to Kira Walsham and you know, defensively, Mary Earps and uh, Millie, uh, Mary Erps and Goal is, uh, you know, she's a fantastic keeper, although she doesn't have a good record against Sam Kerr, as has been brought up on uh, multiple occasions this week. And uh, Millie Brighton defence has been phenomenal for the ball tournament. Um, you know, she's a very good player, um, you know, very strong at the back. Um, uh, England lost Leah Williamson, who's probably you know one of the best centre backs in the world before the tournament. But Millie Bright's uh, step in has been uh, monumental. And then I think from an Australia point of view, um, you know Ellie Carpenter down that right hand side, you know defensively I think she's been solid, but this tournament, but I think there's room for improvement.
0: So Tony Gustafson did a bit of posturing pre-match, talking about, you know, Australia, the underdogs here, that England have these massive resources that they throw at these national teams. They have great depth, you know, where we have four or five, they have 15 or 16. Was that just trying to make sure that he, he made his team feel like underdogs and the hunters rather than the hunted? Or um, is, that, is there an element of truth to what he said?
1: I mean, there's an element of truth, but uh, it's kind of funny because Serena uh, Weigman, the the, uh, English manager, she said the same thing. She tried to say that all the pressure was on Australia, so it feels like both teams are, like, joring to be underdogs in a way, which is quite humorous. I'm not sure England, you know, will ever be, you know, traditional underdogs. Um, But there's no doubt there is a bit of pressure on Australia, but also similarly for England, you know, they're the European champions. Their favourites going into this game. I think they're narrow favourites. I don't think either team is, you know, uh, going to be you know, particularly outclassed or it's not like they're one team's in a completely different weight division. But I think England will go into this game as slight favourites, but I also don't quite buy the narrative that the Matilda's are underdogs. Like, slight, you know, slight underdogs maybe, but not in the traditional sense of the word. Um, you know, they've been really good at times this tournament as well. And I think, you know... England know that there are lots of Australian players like Caitlin Ford, like Mary Fowler, like Steph Catley and Ellie Carpenter, but can really hurt them, like Katrina Gorey
0: And one of the most fascinating things against this uh, or about this Matildas team is the, the way players have emerged through the course of the tournament, players that we wouldn't have known a lot about and we wouldn't thought a lot of before the tournament are, are basically growing before our eyes, aren't they?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that's one of the great things about having a home World Cup is you get to meet and understand the players, and you know they're going to be turned into household names. I mean, Caitlin Ford was already, you know, a star for me, but she's just reached a, a whole new audience with her showing to this tournament. Uh, you know, Haley Razzo's three goals have uh, kind of propelled her into the public consciousness. Now Claire Hunt barely—I don't think she would played for Matildas, you know, eighteen months ago, and now she's been one of the best. Defenders of the entire tournament. She's been phenomenal, and she—I think she's got 14, 15 national team games to her name. You know, and her progress this tournament, as you say, it's been outstanding. Um, I'm not sure the average punter would have known much about Mackenzie Arnold, but after Saturday, everyone knows her life story. Apparently, it's—it's um, it's wonderful because they, you know they are top athletes, and I think when you get to this level of you know athletes, we kind of sometimes we don't quite see the the person behind the athletes so it's been really good that they've all had you know not only their own individual moments to shine but they've had their you know opportunities for their stories to be told throughout the tournament and you know that that's you know a really underrated aspect of this uh world cup i think
0: yeah, absolutely. It's been it's just been fantastic to see these girls grow and you can see their body language changes, their belief in themselves changes, and probably more than any other player, I reckon, Ben, that probably applies to Mary Fowler. We saw a player probably racked with a little bit of self doubt in that first game against Ireland, then she played that through ball um to Caitlin Ford that got us going against Canada and suddenly we were dealing with an entirely different player.
1: Yeah, she's you know she's still so young, you know, twenty, twenty-one years old. She's a, you know, it's bonkers to think that she was even at the last World Cup as well. Like she, um, you know, she's been part of this team for such a long time, and you know, she's she's had good games as well. It's not like this has come out of nowhere. We've seen Mary Fowler play well for Matildas before. We know what a challenge she is, um, and you know her, you know her star has gone through the roof. Um, you know, she's so. She just kind of takes it all in a stride. There was definitely, like you mentioned, an element of nerves, I think, in her performance against the Irish. But, you know, against Canada, she was good. Uh, I thought against Denmark, you know, obviously that ball she played to K.O. 4, that's world class. Like, not many people in the world, male or female, can get that ball right in that situation. It was you know, phenomenal. And, uh, yeah, she's had a great tournament. Again, like, had a couple of chances against France. One of them, you know, was a super, no, superbly blocked by the defender. So you know, a bit unfortunate there, but I you know, she's she's that kind of she's got that X factor. She has that kind of special something which you want in a player and it's even when she's not, you know, winning games with moments of magic, she's doing the little things right, which is, you know, just as important.
0: One of the things, uh, the narratives that has unfolded in this is that Tony Gustafsson hasn't used his bench a lot and that a lot of our players have been on the pitch for a long time. Is that a factor? Um, is there the potential for the Matildas to fatigue as this game goes on?
1: I think so, absolutely. And I think that's you know one of the biggest criticisms of him. And I think it's a very fair criticism as well. You know, he spoke... Uh, coming into the tournament, we're going to need 23 to win in 23. He has made a big song and dance about you know the need for depth over the last you know a uh, couple of years, and he's gone about you know building that depth. And he, you know he deserves credit for, for building that depth, but you've also got to use the depth. You don't get credit for just kind of assembling a squad and saying they're all good. You've actually got to show that you trust them. Uh, you know Alex Chidiak, for example, you know she's played 15 minutes all tournament. Uh, against Nigeria when the game was, you know, uh, almost over. And she created, you know, three or four good chances, you know, in that time. And yet she hasn't featured for the rest of the tournament since. It's, you know, quite flabbergasting for me. And I think anyone who follows the A-League women as well knows what a great player she is. So it's been really disappointing to see her, you know, marginalised a bit um, in terms of the tactics and the uh, player selection. I think, you know, personally, I would rather start her over... Um, Emily Van Egmont, because I think she brings a bit of bit of extra class and a bit more energy, which you know, especially at this stage of a tournament, could be really important. Um, you know, Kaya Simon was obviously a bit of a wild card selection because she tore her ACL nine ten months ago. Um, and Tony Gustafson said, you know, before the tournament, she's here because she might be able to win a game off the bench in the knockout phases. Well, we've played two, uh, we've played two games in the knockout phases, and she hasn't featured. Um, you know. Claire Polkinghorne, the centre back, has featured in more games when you know, she hasn't really been needed to come on. It's been quite surprising, and I think that you know the attrition of you know six games in uh, you know three weeks. That's going to take its toll on the players. And you know England did have a big uh, long game in their round of sixteen uh, clash with Nigeria, so you know they will be feeling it a bit as well. But uh, they obviously they won their game in Cl- against Colombia in ninety minutes, so. Um, that's going to be, you know, how each team fatigues is going to be, you know, really interesting to watch, and whether we do, I, you know, I would, I'm not a, much of a betting man. I would probably bet that Tony kind of tries to stick with the same team for as long as possible tonight.
0: Yeah, I think so. He's locked in now, isn't he? He's probably there's a pattern established, and uh, you'd, you'd expect that it's going to take something exceptional to break that pattern. Okay, Ben, do we win?
1: I don't know. <laughs> um, I i And look, it's i th- I think we can win. Uh, I think England can also win. It's, it's so tight. it's been you know I've been going back and forth in my mind over this, and for me, it just comes down to you know can Australia's defence you know stay compact, can they not get caught out of position? Can they you know you know stave off the English raids? can they restrict England to I guess speculative chances? Don't give them quite high. You know percentage shots on goal, and whether they can hit them. It, the English in transition, like I said, you know Caitlin Ford and Haley Razzo for me. There's going to be space in behind the wing backs for them to exploit, and if they are able to exploit it, Ford especially, then I think that holds the key to Australia. I, I have a, I have a feeling it's going to be a long game. I think it's going to extra time.
0: Ben Smith from the West Australian getting splinters on his backside and not giving us anything as terms of who's going to win the game. Ben, thanks for your time, mate. I wish you all the best. Hope you have a great time out there at Stadium Australia.
1: Thanks, Duff. Always
0: a pleasure. Look forward to reading Ben Smith's stuff in the West Australian, of course, tomorrow. He comes to us thanks to Advanced Hair Clinic, the number one go-to for hair loss restoration by sportsmen all around the globe. What do you think? You can have your say on the Temperate Bedshed text line on 0487 736 736, or you can give us a call on the open line on 13 12 55.